I will rest in your promises. My confidence is your faithfulness. Now, you heard me read the text, or you heard Alex read the text. How does Abraham do what he did? How does a man do what he did? Because he rests in the promises of God. God is his confidence, and he believes in the faithfulness of God. So, I really don't even need to preach the text, but because that's why they pay me, I will. And uh, I know you came all this way and spent all this time, and I know you want to, yeah, that. So as I've been saying the last few weeks, um, we've got an amazing group of young adults, and as I said the last few weeks, Karen and I love them a lot. Uh, We've been working through Crazy Love with Francis Chan and Don't Waste Your Life with John Piper. And as I said to you last week, you can't be a $3 worth of guy and stay in those studies. Um, They're pretty strong, um, pretty strong studies. If you're just a church member, you're not going to last, (laughs) okay, in those two books. Uh, But if you love Christ and you want to walk with God, um, it's a a pretty good good study. So, um, we're going to lose... A number of these young adults, uh, this month actually, in May, the month of May, and God just led me to send them off, okay? So that's why I'm out of the Gospel of John. You may remember three weeks ago I preached uh, to live as Christ, to die as gain, right? Uh, three weeks ago or two weeks ago I preached, um, what was it, 1 Corinthians 9. Paul says, I run. I run to what? Win, right? I run to Win. That's what crazy love is about. It's what don't waste your life is about. I run to win. And last week I preached Hebrews 11.6. You must not only believe that God is, you must believe that God is good. He's a rewarder of those who seek Him. So, I want you young people and all the rest of you people, right? And as I tell you, I'm always preaching to myself. These are important things to remember. You can go with God. You can obey God with glad, reckless joy. You can because... Why? Because you're a great Christian. No, that's not right. What is it? Because He's a great God. Right? You can do whatever He calls you to do as we see in the text this evening. You can do it because He is a good and faithful, promise-keeping, trustworthy God. So I uh, was listening to some preaching on television a long time ago. African-American preacher. Loved what he said. I've never forgotten it, and I've used it often. He said, you, you've heard the text read, there is always a ram in the bush. Okay? How many of you have heard this before? Luna's heard it before. Any others? There's always a ram in the bush. Okay, you heard the text read. What do you think it means? Obviously. God will provide, right? That's what it means. That's shorthand. That's evangelical shorthand for God will provide. If He calls you into hard obedience, He will provide for you in the midst of hard obedience. He's not going to abandon you in hard obedience. You know, a lot of Christians, professed Christians, they won't obey God when it comes down to it because they're not sure He'll be there. They're not sure He'll keep His promise. He will, beloved. There's always a ram in the bush. 
If you obey Him, He will meet you there. He will provide for you there. He will give you all that you need there. Okay? Don't ever forget this. Young people and old people alike, although we don't have very many old people, I'm always the oldest guy in the room anymore. Don't ever forget this. Don't ever, ever, ever forget this. He is a faithful God and don't you love that about Him? Amen? Don't you love that about Him? You can trust Him? It doesn't really matter what today brings. You can trust Him? If you're sawn in two, Hebrews 11, you can trust Him. Do you understand? If you're stoned like Stephen, you can trust Him. If you perish by the sword, you can trust Him. What does God say? Not a hair on your head will ultimately perish, right? He's a faithful God. He's a good God. And this is the way I like to say it. I, don't, I think this is original. I may have read it somewhere. It doesn't really matter. He is a competent God. Some of you would live differently if you just believed He was competent. That He could actually do what He says He can do. He is a competent God. So, Hebrews 11. We talked a lot about it last week. You know... You can be religious and not understand Hebrews 11, but you can't go with God and not understand it. If you're going to walk with Jesus, if you're going to be a disciple, you've got to understand Hebrews 11.6. Not, not only does my God exist, my God is a rewarder. And if you don't believe He's a rewarder, you'll never be a, you'll never be a disciple. You can't be a disciple if you don't believe He's a rewarder. How does Abraham do this? He believes as God's a rewarder. He believes it. He believes it. He believes it with every fiber of his being. So, who's the hero of Hebrews 11? We touched on it last week. Anybody remember who is the hero of Hebrews 11? Is it uh, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, David, Rahab? Who is it? God. This is a story about really messed up people. A number of them really messed up. Okay? That God called and God used to affect God's purpose in the world. Hebrews 11 is about God. It's about God being able. Okay? That's what Hebrews 11 is about. Yes, it's about faith, and we're to see ourselves in uh, these men and women in Hebrews 11. But God is the main character. <laughs> we can only be Christians because He's who He is. You think you can be a Christian without the almighty, you know, supernatural power, sovereign power of God? We can't hope to be Christians, real ones. We can be churchgoers without God. You cannot be a Christian without God in your life. You cannot. You'll bail every time. When it gets hard, you'll bail. You know, why doesn't Abraham bail here? Why doesn't he just fold and go home? He believes God. He believes that God is. He believes that God is good. So, yeah, so there's, my, there's part of my introduction. Uh, Twenty years ago, uh, the Lord was dealing with me about some things, and you know, if you're a Christian, you understand. You know when He kind of uh, challenges you to, to kind of break with your former line of reasoning, 
when you kind of when you kind of break with the world, um, when you're no longer pursuing, when you no longer love and pursue the things of the world, and now you, you you've caught a glimpse of God and you're now pursuing Him above all things. You know that moment in time, and uh, I was pretty scared. And He takes me to in my daily Bible reading. I run into Joshua 21, 43 to 45. And in obedience, listen to what it says, the Lord gave Israel all the land which He had sworn to give to them and their fathers. He gave them rest on every side according to all that He had sworn to their fathers. None of their enemies stood before them. The Lord gave them into their hand. Listen to this. Here's what I want you to hear. Not one good promise which the Lord had made to the house of Israel failed to come to pass. Amen? Do you believe He's God? Do you believe He's good? Do you believe He's competent? Do you believe He can do whatever He wants? That's why I read the psalm. I think it was 135, I think. I forget now. He does whatever He pleases. Are you living like your God does whatever He pleases? Beloved, you're supposed to be living like that. You're only here for a few minutes and the world's supposed to watch you be luminous. Salty and luminous, as one preacher said. Salty and luminous. It's what He's called us to do. We talked about it last week. What does it mean, Josh? Was it last week or two weeks ago? Spiritual pluck. What does pluck mean? We're called to be plucky Christians. Now, I knew an Aussie would know that, but does anybody else actually know what that word? Okay, it's a weird word. Okay, only an Aussie would know. An English word. Renee knows the word. Okay, plucky. Courageous, right? With a backbone, as Josh said. This is what he's called us to do. And as I said to you last week, man, you've got to get God right in your mind. You've got to learn God correctly. Inadequate thinking about God leads to inadequate believing, which leads to inadequate living. If you don't know He is and that He's a promise keeper, you're not going to do the Word of God. You'll not do it. You'll fold every time it gets hard, you'll fold. But if you believe like Abraham believed that not only is He God, He's a good God, a promise keeping God, then you can walk like a son or daughter of God. And I'm just going to say this one more time. I might say it next week too, you know. That's my prerogative as an old man. We repeat ourselves regularly. Um, what is screw tape? You remember screw tape? Senior demon? Okay. When, when, when someone kind of shows some interest in Christ, what's, what's the strategy of the demons? C.S. Lewis uh, satire, what's the strategy? What does he whisper in their ear? Moderate, right? It's what, listen, some of, you, some of you in this crazy love stuff and this don't waste your life stuff, you've thought about it, man. You've thought about going deeper. You've thought about doing, you know, being a, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to be a go with Jesus kind of guy or gal, right? I, I'm really going to do it. And you don't, get, you don't get out the door five minutes and Satan's going, you got to moderate, man. You got to moderate. Just go to church some. That's good enough. That'll make God happy. You go to church some. Beloved, you know. Yeah, lovers of God come to church. Because we need each other. We need the Word. We need Him. We need to praise Him. We need to worship Him. But He's left us on the planet to be disciples in the world. 
That's kind of what we see tonight in the life of Abraham. So, we believe God in... I'll get into the text in just a minute. We believe God in two particular ways as Christians. We believe Him for our salvation. Amen? We're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. Right? And we believe Him for another thing. We believe Him for living lives of faith. We believe Him for the, for the salvation of our soul. And we believe Him that He will enable us to do all He's called us to do. Okay? So these are two distinct things. He saves us, and then He sanctifies us, he sanctifies us and uses us. Okay? These are two distinct things. So tonight, we see this kind of absolute trust in the faithfulness of God in the life of Abraham. He sold out, never looked back, try and stop me, obedience, right? Like you, right? Try and stop me. Try and stop me from obeying Jesus Christ. Try and stop me. That's how we live, right? I love how uh, recently deceased Theologian R.C. Sproul says that to live by faith is to live by trust. This means far more than believing in God. It means believing God. Abraham believes God. You're going to see it in the text as we go through. I'm in verse 1 here. You heard the text read. I'll make my way through. It came about that God tested Abraham. Genesis 22 verse 1. And he said to him, Abraham, and Abraham said, here I am. So, what did your, your translation said something weird. What was it? Tempt. Okay. The better translation is test. Okay? The better translation is to test Abraham. Um, does God need to learn something about Abraham? Is this so God can find out information about Abraham? What is this about? Does God need information? <laughs> this is about Abraham. It's not about God knowing that God can trust Abraham. It's about Abraham knowing that he, in fact, does trust God ultimately and completely and utterly. The test is never for God to gain new information. God has all information. He's omniscient. He doesn't need new information. He tests us so we know who we belong to, right? He tests us and we find out who we love, right? What we're really committed to. That's what the test is about. It's for you, beloved. It's not for God. It's for you. This is for Abraham. The test is for Abraham. You know, 1 Peter 1, 6-9, um, Peter says the tests... God says the tests are necessary. Don't you love this? The tests are necessary. Why? To prove our faith, to be tested by fire, that we may be found to result in the glory of Jesus Christ to the salvation of our souls. Why does God want you to know you're saved? Why does God want you to know you're redeemed? Why does God want you to know you're His? Why do you think? Why do you think? Well, there are several ways to answer that question, okay? <laughs> but here's the point I want to make. So you'll live it. God is more than a little annoyed at people who claim to be His but never live it. Okay? All you got to do is read through the Bible with average comprehension skills. 
God is... God wants you to know you're His so you'll live it. That's why the test has come. God wants you to be fully persuaded. And then He wants you to live like you're fully persuaded. Okay? I think that's obviously what's at stake here. So in verse 1, pardon me, in verse 1, God says to Abraham, and, and how does Abraham respond? I'll get back to you later. I'm busy right now, man. I'm focusing on my career, dude. I'm focusing on... Why did I say dude? I never say dude. <laughs> God, forgive me. I'll edit that out of the tape. Um, you know, <laughs> I'm focusing on, uh, yeah, my family right now. Uh, what happens when God calls Abraham? What happens? What happens? What does he say? Here I am. I think there's an exclamation point in the NAS. Let's see. No. Here I am, he says. Here I am. You get this sense that Abraham is just kind of spring-loaded waiting to hear from God, right? It's just like you are, right? You're just spring-loaded, man. And when the Holy Spirit convicts, it's like, bam! Try to stop me, right? Try to stop me from hearing and obeying God. Try to stop me. It's like, and test yourself, is this... Is this how it is with you and Jesus? It's like hearing from God is the most important thing in Abraham's life. Okay, for Abraham it's not like that. It is that. Okay? <laughs> okay? It's the most important thing in his life. He will not let anything get between him and God. Okay? Listen, young people, this is what I'm saying to you, man. You gotta fight to live like this. You gotta fight to live like this. It doesn't come natural. You gotta fight to live like this, and to think like this. Don't let anything get between you and God. Not one thing. Not your spouse, not your kids, not your career, not your talents, not your money, not your investments, not your business. God's first. He's always first. He will not be second. He will not. Be second. Verses 2 and 3. God says, Take your son and offer him at Mount Moriah. Verse 3. So Abraham, what does he do? He says, Man, I need to think about this. I need to consult with the elders. I need to go talk to Pastor Jim. Surely God's not telling me to do this, right? What does he do? What does Abraham do? He's up early the next morning. He saddles the donkey. He's got two of his servants. He gets Isaac, splits the wood for the offering, and he's off. Okay. Is this how it is with you and Jesus? <laughs> is this how it is with you and Jesus, right? When you hear him, hey, some of you have heard him at, in young adult Bible study. Some of you have heard him. I know you've heard him. I see it on your face sometimes. Some of you have shared it with me, but I also see it on your face. Are you going to obey him? You're going to do what he says? Say, Jim, it's scary. It's hard. I might lose a relationship. I get all of that. I'm 63. It's all happened to me. But God's better. God's better than anything you may think you are. 
giving up. So, Abraham, yeah, he's on it, man. He's on it. He not only believes that God is... You know, Abraham's been through this, right? And, and I will talk a little bit more about that in a minute, the whole Isaac thing. He not only believes that God is, he's seen it. He not only believes that God is good, he's lived it. Isaac is a miracle. He's a miracle, man. There shouldn't be an Isaac. Why is there an Isaac? Because God does what he pleases. That's the only reason there is an Isaac. So, how does this man get to this place where he can live like this? Where he can trust God like this? I just want to give you this quick litany. Okay, when we encounter God, we discover an urgent desire uh, for God in our hearts. In desiring God, we begin to seek God. In seeking God, we, we come to know God. In knowing God, we come to love and trust God. In loving and trusting God, we find ourselves caught up in this habit-forming practice of obedience. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Once you start down that path of radical obedience, it's habit-forming. It's the best drug in the world. Okay? It's just habit-forming. Why is it habit-forming? Because God just keeps showing up. Right? God just keeps showing up. God just keeps... What is it? John 14, 21. John 14, 21. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments and I'll disclose myself to you. So in obedience, in obedience, the God disclosure always comes. Abraham's about to get one, right? Isn't Abraham about to get a God disclosure? <laughs> Jehovah Jireh. What does it mean? You tell me. Some of you guys know. What does it mean? What does Jehovah Jireh mean? The Lord will provide. Some of you walked in here not knowing it. And my prayer is that some of you will walk out knowing it for sure and you'll live like that's true. You will live like that's true. So, there's this, this thing, this, this, this sort of spiritual dance that begins with God as we come to know Him. Verse 5, And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey and I and the lad will go yonder. And I didn't know that, I didn't know that word was in there. We will go yonder and we will worship and return to you. Now, what did Abraham just say? What did Abraham just say? Okay, God said sacrifice the boy. But what did Abraham just say to these men? What did he just say? We're coming back. We're both coming back. So, is Abraham going to disobey God? Or does Abraham just believe the promises of God? Why does Abraham believe he will come back with Isaac? Why does he believe it? Because all of the promises that God has made to Abraham flow through, oh, guess who? Isaac. There's no way Isaac cannot come back with Abraham. Abraham doesn't know how it's going to work yet, but it's just like you, right? When God calls you to do obedience, hard obedience. You don't know, you don't know how it's going to pan out. You have no idea. <laughs> and this is another fallacy that many professing Christians fall into. Well, let me sort it out first. Let me figure it out first. Let me, do it, you know, let, let me get it all lined up first. Let me understand it completely. And maybe I'll obey. <laughs> That's not how it works. In the Bible or in the 21st century. So, Isaac's a miracle. He already knows it. You remember what happened, right? When God came to Isaac, 
pardon me, to Abraham in the Theophany. And he said, uh, what did he say? In a year I'll return and you'll have a son. And who laughed? Sarah laughed. She knew it was impossible. They both knew it was impossible. He was a hundred years old and her womb was dead. Right? But God says, is there anything too hard for me? Listen, <laughs> are you afraid to obey God in the world? We all, we all are at times, but if you're looking at the God of the Bible correctly, you can be a plucky Christian. You can have backbone out there, man. You will have backbone out there. If you're actually looking at the God of Scripture. So, um, Romans 4 talks about, talks about Abraham in this situation. Let me just read it to you. Romans 4, 19-21, Without becoming weak in faith, Abraham, with respect to the promise of God, did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully assured that what God had promised, He was able to perform. Abraham, well, if you, you know the story. Abraham called out of nowhere uh, and leaves going not, know, not knowing where he was going, right? I mean, he's, he's obeyed the Lord and he's seen the promise come true. He has no doubt Isaac's going to come back down that mountain. He doesn't have any doubt. Why? He knows God and he trusts God. Listen, you can't be a Christian because you love the doctrine or the theology or my pastor or the church or I want to be a good person. You might be a good person, but you can't be a real Christian unless you are convinced God is good and a rewarder of those who obey Him. You know, the definition of Christianity has gotten so dumbed down in this 21st century. It's really almost just a cultural thing or a political thing. Some parts of the world, it's just really cultural and political. I grew up in the Bible Belt in the States. It's cultural. Everybody's a Christian, Christian but it's cultural. You know, it's cultural. So, I love this. The King James says, Abraham was fully persuaded. We don't always understand all that God is doing, but we, understand, we always believe all that God is saying. Eugene Peterson's paraphrase is excellent. Abraham, listen to this, you're going to love this. Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of Romans 4, the passage there. Abraham didn't tiptoe around God's promise, asking cautiously skeptical questions. He plunged into the promise and came up strong, ready for God, sure that God would make good on what he said. He didn't tiptoe, he plunged. I love that. Some of us need to plunge, beloved. Some of us just need to plunge, right? We need to stop dithering and plunge. So Abraham knew he didn't debate. He knew God was good for His Word. This was a hard test, but he trusted the Lord. There's another place in the New Testament that talks about this. Hebrews 11, 17 and 19. Let me read it to you. This is why Abraham knew that, God, that, Abra that Isaac would come back down the mountain. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises which... Pardon me, which was offering up uh, his only begotten son. It was he to whom it was said, In Isaac, your descendants shall be called. You see what I'm saying? He knows 
for God to keep all of His promises, there's got to be a walking around Isaac. A living, breathing, walking around, procreating Isaac. This is why he knows. Abraham considered that God was able to raise people even from the dead. This is what Abraham, I think, was thinking when he went up Mount Moriah. God will raise him up. If God requires this of me, God will raise him up. And this is a mysterious command of God. God we know from the Old Testament, God, does not, God is not into human sacrifice. We get it. We understand that. But God is doing something unique here. And what is this a parable of? This is a true historical account, but this is a picture of what? How God is going to love you by offering up His Son, right? So, it's a beautiful, beautiful picture. So this hard thing... Well, let me... Let me I, looked at, I looked at seven translations of this, this Hebrews 11, 7, uh, Hebrews 11, 17 to 19 text. Here are the different verbs. Abraham reckoned, he believed, he considered, he reasoned, he concluded, he assumed, and he figured that God would just raise him up from the dead. So this is not a hard thing for Abraham. He trusts God. And really, beloved, that's what it comes down for you. It's just what it comes down to. You can rationalize all you want. It comes down to the fact, do I trust Him? Do I trust Him? This hard thing was, he knew was not a hard thing for God. Abraham had seen it all before. Abraham knows he doesn't need to understand it all. He just needs to obey the Lord. This would be a perfect time for Abraham to fold. And if you're a Christian, you're going to come to places where you're going to think, I, I, I may have to fold here. But you won't. You know why you won't? Because of Jehovah Jireh. Right? Because of Jehovah Jireh. Verses 6-10. through 10, Abraham took the wood. They went up the mountain. Isaac said, Father, where's, where's the lamb? Right? Abraham said, God will provide the lamb. Verse 9. They came to the place and Abraham built the altar. He arranged the wood. He bound his son. He laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Back to Eugene Peterson's paraphrase. Abraham did, did not ask cautiously skeptical questions. He plunged into obedience. So in addition to Romans 4, Hebrews 11, there's another place where the New Testament talks about this incident in some detail. It's Hebrews, pardon me, it's James, um, yeah, James chapter 2, the famous faith text. Um, Remember where James says, faith without works is dead. And then he uses this, this account from the life of Abraham. He says, faith without works, it's useless, it's dead. It's akin to demon faith. The demons believe. The demons are orthodox. They believe everything God has said. Don't ever forget that. Don't tell me I believe. I believe in God and I believe what He says. The devils do that. 
But here we have in this text the, te the test. The test is, do you love Him and trust Him? The test of love in the Bible is always obedience. It's never not obedience, beloved. So, <laughs> here's the James text. James 2, verses 21 to 23. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac his son on the altar? You see that faith was working with his works, and as a result of the works, faith was perfected, and the Scripture was fulfilled, which says, And Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness, and he was called... Does anybody know how that text ends? He was called the... The friend of God! Wow! Are you the friend of God? Is He your friend? <laughs> Do you know Him like that? Can you trust Him like that? Will you obey Him like that? The friend of God? Wow. That's awesome. The friend of... So is, is Abraham's faith genuine? Is his Ge Genesis 15 proclamation of faith, is it genuine? Yeah, we see it in Genesis 22. The same is true for you. If you've made a profession of faith in Christ at some point in your past, right? If it's genuine, it's evident now that everybody in your orbit gets it. You belong to Jesus Christ. You love Jesus Christ. You obey Jesus Christ. Everybody can smell God on you. It's just how it works, beloved. It's just how it works. <laughs> it's just how it works. Okay. Verses 11 and 12. But the angel of the Lord, what is the angel of, who is the angel of the Lord? It's God. It's a theophany, right? It's pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. It's pre-incarnate Christ. The angel of the Lord says, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. Of course, this is how Abraham lives. Here I am. Here I am. Here I am, God. Do whatever you want. Here I am. Here's my stuff. Here's my family. Here's my son. Do whatever you want. Beloved, listen. Stop living small. If you're living small, I lovingly exhort you to stop living small. Your life is too short. God is calling you into, you know, a huge life of faith where there'll be more joy than you'll ever be able to count. Stop. If you're living small, stop. So, the theophany, stop. Abraham says, here I am. Do not stretch out your hand against the lad. For you have not withheld your son from me, your only son from me. So the Lord comes to Abraham. The Lord appears. Abraham's God friend shows up. And God discloses Himself to His friend in Obedience. And God says to Abraham, now I know that you fear me. Of course, the Bible interprets the Bible. God knew it all along, but Abraham needed to know it. That when the heat comes, when the pressure comes, when the cost and the risk, and when it all comes, I trust the Lord. Abraham needed to, to know that. So what happens in verse 13? What happens? You tell me. That's what the African-American preacher said. What? Oh, wait. I've been called into hard obedience. Oh, wait. God has met me there. Oh, wait. There's a provision there. A provision I never even imagined, but there it is. Why is it there? Because God is a competent God. God is a good God. God is a promise-keeping God. 
Young people, don't ever forget it. Go live it. Go live it. Go live it. Never look back. Go live it. You will not be sorry. You will never regret it. You will never regret it. God always meets His people in the hard place. Verse 14, let's finish up. Abraham called the name of the, the place the Lord will provide, or Jehovah Jireh. And he said to this day in the, in the mount, in the mount the Lord, um, that the Lord did provide. I love, there's a, I'm not sure where I saw this translation. I think it's a paraphrase. Uh, it may be Eugene Peterson's paraphrase, but it's the, where it says the Lord will provide it. He inserts the word, uh, God will see to it. <laughs> okay? You say, Jim, God's calling me to do something. I don't understand it, man. It's big. It's hard. It's costly. It's risky. It's uh, way out of my comfort zone. I, 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 I don't know if I can do it. Of course you can't do it. Listen, He's going to call you to do stuff. It's not on your CV. He's going to call you to do that kind of stuff, right? He just is. He's going to call you to do that kind of stuff. And He says, I'll see to it. I, God says, I will see to it. That's right, Oscar. That's right. God will see to it. What does God say? Hebrews 13.5 I will never leave you or forsake you. And then I looked at that next verse, verse 6 of Hebrews 13. The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What shall man do to me? You're free! If you're born again and you know Jesus Christ, you are free. You have no constraints. You have zero constraints. Go be a radical disciple in the world and never look back. Beloved, I say this to you with all love and compassion. Don't waste your life, as John Piper says, on trivialities. Trivialities sounds better. Close with two Oswald Chamber quotes. God brings us to the place where He asks us to believe Him and obey Him, but too often we begin to debate with Him. That moment becomes a great crossroads in our lives and we have to decide for God or against God. That's what I'm saying right now. For God or against God. Are you in? Okay, there's three places to be. I'm all in with God. I like to play religion with God. I'm out. Okay, these are the three places to be. I'm all in. I like religion, which means nothing to God. Or, I'm completely out. There's nowhere else to be. Of course, the last two means you're out. Right? God hates religion. So, is your faith genuine? I ask you this in love. Is your faith genuine? Will you decide for God or against God in the everyday affairs of life? The faith of real Christians is not simply in our words. It's in our deeds. When it's time for hard obedience, do you believe God and do you trust God? And I think I shared this quote with you two weeks ago. It's back to the plucky thing, right? May God not find the wine in us anymore, but may He find us full of spiritual pluck and athleticism, ready to face anything that He brings. 
He is a faithful, trustworthy, competent, promise-keeping, I will see to it God. And I'm just going to close with... uh, I don't have time to exposit the, the other verses here, but let me just read to you what happens. What happens when Abraham obeys like this? This is what, hap- this is what will happen in your life too, okay? Listen to this. Verse uh, 15, the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time. Verse 16, By myself, this is God speaking, I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this thing, you have not withheld your son, your only son, indeed I will what? Bless you. Okay, I'm not a name it and claim it guy. But God says, I'll bless you. You come with me, I'll give you my joy. John 17 or John 14 or both. I'll give you my joy. You come with me, you'll have an imperishable, eternal, infinite inheritance. So we see that He blesses Abraham. He multiplies his seed. Verse 18, and your seed will do what? It will bless all the nations of the earth. So I want you to get this. Okay, I want you to get this. God comes, God blesses, and God uses you. Your life matters. You say, Jim, I'm a lowly whatever I am. No! As a Christian, it matters. God's going to do eternal stuff through you. Right? He's going to do eternal stuff through you. I love this text. You know what? I'm so fired up. I think I may preach Moses next week, okay? It just came to me. Moses! Moses! You know, the unwilling prophet, the unwilling uh, great man of the Old Testament. Listen, I'd love for some of you to drive a stake in the ground tonight. Okay? Between you and God. A stake in the ground. I believe you are. I believe you're good. I'm going. I'm going. I trust you. I trust your character. I trust your word. I believe you're competent. I'm I'm not going to look back. I'm not going to be afraid. I'm going to go with you, God. I'm going to go with you, God. I'm going to live a life that pleases you, God. You know, that great verse, and I'm done, that great verse in Hebrews 11 where God says, He's talking about those those men and women who are obeying Him and following Him. And what does God say? This beautiful thing. there's There's not another verse in the whole Bible like it. God says... I am not ashamed to be their God. What an awesome thing. Go live like that. Okay? Go live like that. Let's pray together. Lord, what a great text. What a beautiful lesson for us. Help us, Father. We, We struggle with many things that we shouldn't be struggling with. Father, help us to learn You correctly. We don't want to think inadequately about You that leads to inadequate believing, that leads to inadequate living. Father, we want to learn to be free like Abraham. We don't want there to be anything between You and us. And when You call, we say, here we are. Do all Your good pleasure in us and through us. You Almighty, awesome God. Have Your way with me for these few moments I have on this planet. And may all that You do through me redound to Your glory for a billion eternities and for my joy.
Lord, help us, help us see what is real and true and right. Help us see what matters and what doesn't. We love You, Father. Help us. We do need Your help. Holy Spirit, come. Be at work in us. Open Your Word to us. Make us holy. Bring us into conformity with Jesus Christ, we pray. We love You. What a great God. What a great text. What a great call. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's, uh, in light of the fact that our band leader is holding a baby, would you like to do us? Can we do a song? Yeah, which one? I don't care. <laughs> just a chorus. Let's just do a chorus, okay? Um, of course, yes and amen is pretty good. Okay. We got it. If we just do a chorus, we'll be all right. Double course. <laughs>